I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to Deep Dives episode 2 where I um, ask you to turn off your mind, relax and float downstream. A lyric from today's um, subject and it is Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. Um, I wasn't going to do a Beatles one because, you know, I've talked about the Beatles on the, on the, you know, the, the podcast a, f- a fair bit. It's fair to say I recommend that or I, I, I bring them into my topics of conversation quite a bit and I've had actual episodes about them. But uh, Joanne, who who um, asked me to do last week's, which, by the way, thank you very much for listening to uh, about the Midden Exhibition. Uh, she said, you have to do one because it's, it's the Beatles and you're into the Beatles. And that's fair. And I, I, I said, why not do it now? So this is obviously my own choice. Um, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows is a, a song from uh, Revolver, the very last song on Revolver, which is my favorite Beatles album. Um, I wanted to pick this song because I, I thought I think it's such an interesting song in the sense of its style and how it's it they uh, recorded it and what they used to record it and it's not a regular pop song from um from you know 1966 uh, when when all the other songs were well I actually I, I'll go into um uh, popular songs from 1966 and see what exactly were coming up and by the way uh, there's some brilliant songs here songs that I really like but I just want to. Uh, give you a flavour of what was there and the difference between what the Beatles came out with. So um, when you have the Hot 100, the Billboard Hot 100, you have California Dreaming, Mamas and Papas, great song. Um, what Becomes of the Broken Hearted, Jimmy Ruffin, Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkeys. We have the Four Tops, Reach Out and I'll Be There. These boots are made for walking, Strangers in the Night, you know, um, The Ballad of the Green Berets. These are all songs. That's by Sergeant Barry Sadler. Do you know what I mean? These were still songs that wouldn't get in the charts now. You know, they, these kind of... Um, uh, militaristic uh, celebration, celebrating of you know army bands and stuff like that. You know, uh, you can't hurry. Love was in there. Sunny, it's a great song, by the way. Um, so do you, you get you get the kind of picture. Obviously, there was a lot of rock and roll in there as well. Actually, Donovan, Sunshine, Superman, which was probably a little bit experimental for for Donovan even. Uh, Bombers and Papas in there again. Monday, Monday. You, so you get the you get the Hanky Panky by Tommy James and the Chandels. Okay, when a man loves a woman. These are all. Good Vibrations. Now, there's a, an experimental pop song, if there ever was one. So the Beach Boys were kind of branching out into this uh, territory of using the the studio as an instrument. And, and the Beatles had, had decided on this as well. And I guess what they had in common at the time was the Beatles had stopped, had decided at this point to stop touring. So they could spend more time in the studio. Brian Wilson, uh, chief songwriter of the, Be- uh, the Beach Boys at the time was also decided not to tour anymore the Beach Boys were sent out to tour Wilson stayed at home, got all the best musicians in California and recorded uh, the phenomenal album Pet Sound so there's a kind of and they were kind of going up against each other, well, at least Brian Wilson saw it that way that you know an album came out with the Beatles he had to top it and it was back and forth, back and forth. And even like in this chart here, in the Billboard 100, we can work it out with the Beatles, you know, a, a great song, but a pop song and a, a fairly a rudimentary pop song. Paperback writers in there, they do use some Beach Boys harmonies in that, um, some echo effects in that too. But it's not, they're not going out of their way, you know, experimental ways. Um, so that's, that's a flavor of what it is. So, you know, the first time, you know, I came across this um, revolver, like I, I told this story before, but my mom's friend, Monica, gave me some Beatles LPs um, when I was up at Swords and it was I was what 14 or 15 maybe um, and I loved them you know but I, I hadn't 
I don't think Revolver was part of the budget. Maybe it was, but the first time I heard Revolver, I was like, "That this is outrageous." Because the songs are they do switch between genres, but all of a sudden, "Tomorrow Never Knows" come on at the end, and I'm like, "This this is like nothing else." So what I'm going to do is, and this is kind of see where the idea kind of came from. Obviously, minus maybe John Lennon strumming an acoustic guitar and 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 singing the lyrics, but this is take one of Tomorrow Never Knows. So you'll see, I'll play it here, and I hope the sounds it sounds okay, but. I'll kind of talk over a little bit, but just to give you an idea. Okay, here we go. So, very Indian influenced, which George Harrison was really into at the time. But what I found interesting about the drums is Ringo's fairly stays on the beach, you know, but he uses a hi-hat, or sorry, not a hi-hat, a, a ride cymbal a lot, which doesn't appear in the in the end mix. And you can hear John Lennon's vocals are really distorted sound, and I kind of explain that now as we go along, but but what, I'm not going to play it all, but what I will do is what I find interesting is when we get to the midway mark, we'll say, listen to the drum beat and the music. It seems like it kind of goes out of kilter. The rhythm, they, not that they lose the rhythm, but the music slips out and out of the, of the beat. And the, the, the background doesn't change, right? So it's pretty rudimentary drums. I don't know if that's a, Mellotron or a harmonium that's in the background or something completely different. But that's the idea. That's take one. So already take one is kind of like, what's, you know, what's going on here? I'm going to play the finish a bit at the end. So the the lyrics, which is, you know, are just as important as the music, really, because this is, again, a pop song from 1966. And we're we're talking about lyrics like this. So um, I'll just uh, tomorrow never knows lyrics. So the lyrics were... They came from uh, Timothy O'Leary, uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Uh, Timothy O'Leary was a hound for, for acid, <laughs> loved the acid. Um, and these lyrics came from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, written by, by Timothy O'Leary. And I should have written down the name of the other person, but I'm not going to do... I, or sorry, I didn't do that. Tomorrow Never. Why did I write in that? Um, so, lyrics, here we go. So, Lennon was very fond of acid as well. He read this book. He was actually looking for a different book and he stumbled across this book out shopping, as you do, um, maybe down in Eason's. Uh, so the lyrics are, turn off your mind, relax and float downstream. It is not dying. It is not dying. Lay down all thoughts, surrender to the void. It is shining. It is shining. That you may see the meaning of within. It is being. It is being. That love is all. That love is everyone. Which I really like that, like love is all and that is everything and everyone, which is a, a lovely sentiment, even though he's talked about surrendering to the void, which sounds a little bit scary. Um, that ignorance and hate may mourn the dead. It is believing. But listen to the color of your dream. It is not living. All play the game. Existence to the end of the beginning. And then it, he repeats of the, the beginning over and over. There is no credit to, um, <laughs> to Timothy Leary. This is written by John Winston Lennon. And Paul James McCarthy, McCartney, even though his name is his name is actually James Paul McCartney. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, no, no mention of of Timothy Leary, but the, the, he takes it from he takes his bits in and out. The Lennon was great for that, like you know, um, taking little bits of chunks of uh, dialogue, and he did it from a colleague's cornflakes advert in one time. Um, so Lennon was was great at that. The the idea that Lennon spoke about he took acid on his cornflakes at the time, obviously exaggerating a little bit, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's probably not too far from the truth. Uh, Lennon was big on double tracking his vocals. Uh, he wasn't a fan of his voice or maybe he wasn't confident enough in his voice to just track one like maybe Paul McCartney was. But So he'd always double track um, his vocals. So uh, in this one, uh, it was engineered with the ADT, which is artificial double tracking. So what happens in it's, in this one, It's sl- there's a v- slight vocal lag which makes it sound brilliant as well because it sounds it doesn't quite sound like an echo but it's got that effect of a repeating uh repeating the lines very slowly in the background as if we are we're um uh, you know as if it's a mantra uh and and the sound of his voice you hear it's kind of distorted it's like that in take 1 it's even more so in take 2 or take whenever the the last take is um they put it through Leslie speaker which is this huge amp which is usually used for a Hammond organ um, and you see it in the Get Back film. They have one in the in the studio. Uh, so that's what that's what they use it. And he used it in a number of ways. And, and there's a, there's another thing where he wanted the the he the uh, the engineer. If it was Jeff Emmerich at the time, um, he wanted the engineer to to spin the mic around the uh, the speaker. So it's like that effect that he'd go in and out as the mic was passing. He also wondered if the same effect would, would get if they hung him from the ceiling, dropped his mic into the middle of the studio and swung him around as he was singing. Um, Lennon was 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 a man who once asked uh, George Martin to make his one song sound like sawdust. So he wasn't exactly he, he had great ideas, but, you know, he had no idea how to put them together and kind of hoped that everybody else would. Um, so yeah, the, the, you, I like the idea of him spinning around the circle in the studio, though it's 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 a, it's a funny um, image. Uh, another thing you you will notice in the in the final version of it, there's tape loops, just these uh, constant maybe four seconds, six seconds of um, and a sound coming in and going out and coming in and going out, and it was just tape loops. There's a uh, Ringo's drums are looped. It's one beat just looped over and over again. So it's not Ringo playing for constantly for the two, what is it, two hour, uh, sorry, uh, two minutes, 57 seconds song. Um, he's not playing over and over again. Um, McCartney, there's four types of, apparently four types of loops in this song that go over and over again. Uh, McCartney was really into tape loops. He was really into Stockhausen at the time. And he, he really liked the idea of just looping these sounds and, and then manipulating the sound. So there's a sound, and I'll point it out when we're listening to it. There's a sound of, it sounds like a seagull uh, or, you know, a, a bird giving it socks. It is actually Paul McCartney's laugh uh, reversed and sped up. And it actually sounds like a seagull, but it's it's McCartney. There's four different types, like I said. Um, there, They had a thing at the time as well where they wanted to kind of write uh, one note song, you know, um, and I guess Tomorrow Never Knows has got two chords in it. But if you hear the 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 melody isn't exactly, you know, it's not a McCartney melody. It's a Lennon melody. McCartney's melodies are maybe more um, 
he's more famous as a, a melody writer than than Lennon. But you'll hear this is just kind of one note when he's singing right through it, and the tape loops and and it is two chords, so it's not going everywhere with it. But it's the interest in what they do with the sound. Some of it is just like I said, it's just you know I used to smoke weed, and if you listen to this when you smoke weed, it's you're just going. Even when you're not smoking weed, I don't want anybody out there to go. I wonder, do I need to smoke some weed to enjoy this? That's not the case. But like you know, when I was smoking weed and I was listening to this, I was just in awe of it. I am still. Um, like I said, Harrison's influence was there um, for to, for everyone to hear. Like, you know, the, the Indian influence, he was more interested in that than the other Beatles. But he was bringing it to the studio at the time. He does a song on the revolver called Love You Too, which is obviously it's an Indian song. Harrison's playing the sitar. He's got Indian backing musicians. Um, he, he wrote three songs which are just clearly Indian influenced um, for the Beatles. And around that time, there was three uh, in short um uh, one on Sgt. Pepper's, one on Revolver, and one on a B-side around that time too. Um, so yeah, like the, the instruments played by by each Beatle is it's another one because again, you know, when you look at a Beatles, um, Beatles, uh, what is it? Ian Macdonald's book, Revolution Ahead. He he lists every um, every instrument on each song played by on which Beatle played which, and at the start. Um, it's it's obviously Lennon rhythm guitar, Harrison Lee guitar, McCartney bass, Ringo drums, and then there might be a bit of piano by George Martin or maybe Paul McCartney, whoever it is. But on listed on this one as the players, um, it's slightly different. Um, uh, so it's listed: John Lennon vocals, Hammond organ, Mellotron, and tape loops. Uh, Paul McCartney bass guitar and tape loops. Uh, George Harrison sitar, tambura, lead guitar and tape loops, and Ringo drums, tambourine and tape loops. So they're all playing it, and George Martin's playing tack piano. Um, I actually thought it was, uh, I thought it was Paul McCartney who played the piano at the end, but um, oh, clearly not. What is a tack piano? Harps, harps, piano, jangle piano, and junk piano. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. So, uh, it's on a. Indian model, it's at the tambura and sitar drone. It's very obvious. They you can hear it slightly in the first one, but you hear it way more in the uh, in the finished version of it. Um, it's a malapropism. The the title it came from one of Ringo's famous malapropisms. Uh, Hard days night being one. Eight days a week was another. They were kind of phrases he'd uh, think he you know he thought were real phases, but he mixed up certain words in them. Um, and apparently he was great for that. And Lennon thought it was. Very funny, he, Lennon being very into wordplay, and he went with that as the title. That's an interesting, t- Tomorrow Never Knows is a great title. Um, so, well done, Ringo. Um, there's a backwards guitar solo, which is the first in pop. Um, they f- First ba- backward music in pop. They use it, uh, backward vocals in Rain, but I think they recorded Tomorrow Never Knows first. So that counts as the first, but Rain came out before. I'm sure there's probably someone into the Beatles listening to this going, that's very wrong. Um, this is my favourite bit of trivia on Tomorrow Never Knows. Lennon wanted the song to sound like it was being chanted by a thousand Tibetan monks. Right? So, again, like the sawdust thing, how does that happen? Uh, with his voice evoking the Dalai Lama singing from a mountaintop, which I think he gets closer to with that part. The thousand uh, Tibetan monks. He did say in later interview around in the mid-70s that he he felt he should have pushed harder for that sound but you know the funny thing about this album it's on four tracks they they had a four track recorder now 
you know, so just to give you an idea, if you record a bass on one, vocals on one, guitars on one, drums on one, that's the four tracks. Obviously, you could uh, mix them onto a single track and you to, to free up another track, but you're condensing stuff so it's not sounding as good as you'd, you'd hope it to sound. So they they were messing around with that idea, but they still only had four tracks. It wasn't until Sgt. Peppers came along uh, that they would have more tracks to play around with. Um, the... Uh, I'm gonna. Do you know what? I'm gonna play the song. I've got a little bit, um, more to to go with on uh, just some of the, the 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 tips on it. But I'm gonna play this through, right? And I'm gonna talk about why I picked the song, obviously, but but many other things. So here we go. So you'll hear the, immediately the difference in the sound at the start than there was in the in the in the first take. So here we go. There's the guitar. There's the guitar. There's the seagulls. You have the tambourine as well in it, which is added. You heard the tape loop, Ringo's drum beat is, is the same all the way through. You know, swells coming in. Those tape loops again, those kind of string sounded instruments. Actually, it's coming out in 66, you're just mind blown. Just say. All backwards. Backwards guitar solo coming up. So Harrison would have to be playing in the correct key, obviously, but not knowing what's going to come out at the end because it's going to be backwards. And it, there's something... There's something in the, the Lennon vocal which is both passionate and disinterested at the same time, which is, I don't know. How we're getting to that point. <laughs> and like even McCartney's bass is like he's not overdoing it, it's very simple. Just driving it along, you know. And all those loops coming in and out, it's like, and it blows my mind. And this bit at the end, it starts to fade, and then this is obviously the tack piano comes in with George Martin, but tambourine picks up. There's the piano. fades out we've got like it's just the the minds to create something that they would never have heard 
before, you know, it's it's creating something out of thin air. You know, when the Beatles started, they had rock and roll music to influence and play off and, you know, take from. And, um, and you know, bands would be seeing the Beatles as, as kind of the spearheads, you know, the pioneers of music. And then out comes this because, it, like I said, it comes out of left field, even with the album. The the song before it, which is also one of my favorites on the tra- on the um, on Revolver, got to get you into my life, is very Motown, Stax kind of sounding music, and then we 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 drift into this, and you know, you kind of don't know where it's going, and 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 it goes there, um, like sonically, it's it never, it it never happened. I you know, I, look, I what do I know? But when you're looking through mainstream music, it never happened before. I'm sure there was avant garde artists in the '66, which was you know they were really starting to come out of the woodwork at that part that we're, we're recording stuff like that. But as popular music to, to have the, the guts to kind of put it out there as, uh, you know, on a, on a, a one of their regular, uh, EMI albums. Um, it's, it's, it's mind blown. And then, you know, they go, and it's interesting because they, ne- they never do anything like it again to me. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anything like it again anyway, but they go to Sergeant Pepper's next, which is a huge mix of genres from, rock, pop, and, and even, you know, music hall stuff that when I'm 64, you know, Paul McCartney starts bringing to it. So, um, and rock and roll, the first, like the last track in Revolver is Tomorrow Never Knows. And then we go into the first track on Sgt. Pepper's and it's a rock song, you know, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, and they go into it with a little help from my friends, which is a, you know, a pop song. And I, I just the move between the two, um, yes, drugs were involved and, you know, they were still taking drugs during Sgt. Pepper's, but they still didn't do the same thing. And, Lots of pop stars at the time, um, not lots, but some pop stars at the time kind of dismissed it. Um, Ray Davis. Now, Ray Davis dismisses a lot, except his own music. He's, he's he, If you don't know who Ray Davis is, he's the singer in the Kinks. Uh, yeah, he dismissed it as, as you know, um, frivolous nonsense kind of. Um, so was it jealousy or envy? Probably because, you know, if, you, if you're releasing this kind of stuff that's way out there, people are going to take notice of it and, well, they're allowed to dismiss you or say how brilliant it is. And a lot of people were saying at the time how brilliant it was, how comparing the Beatles with Mozart and stuff was creating music that hadn't been heard before. So there was probably a lot of jealousy. Um, that 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 idea that the Beatles moved away from, from live, uh, you know, not just playing live because they wanted to get into the studio and, and create what they did. It, it wasn't that. But to... to yeah, use their time in the studio wisely. Obviously, they could afford to go into studios and spend uh, as much time as they wanted in there, but they still went in there and did it. And it's been seen as uh, as influencing people as wide ranging as uh, I took a list of some people like Jay Z, the Sugar Hill Gang, Jimi Hendrix. Um, the the interesting one, well, the, not the interesting one, the, the the most interesting one, the one that stands out to me. Okay, so let me just uh, find it, but. I remember reading an article about the, um, an interview with the Chemical Brothers, um, who were who were still on the go, obviously, but they were really famous in the nineties and into the two thousands, um, and would still, you know, go to festivals. Now you'd see the whole fields packed with Chemical uh, Brothers fans, so it's not like they're they disappear, but they created their own amazing sounds at times. Um, and and I, I this interview was 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 brilliant because all they talked about for the interview was tomorrow never knows. And obviously I knew, uh, I knew let forever be, um, it's a famous song by them. Um, Noel Gallagher sings, uh, the, the lead vocals in it. 
uh, Setting Sun is another one. And but they talked about letting forever, let forever be as the one that really was their um, ode to Tomorrow Never Knows. And uh, I'm just going to play a little bit of it. I won't play the whole song, but let's just have a quick listen. I'll skip through some of it just to get to the. Already we have a kind of influence, Indian sounding influence to it. Then we've got a, a drum loop. We've got some sounds straight in, seagull-like sounds maybe. I love that bass. How does it feel like to wake up in the sun? And again, these lyrics that are wide-reaching and meaningful, but hard to grasp onto a little bit. But they dip in and out of these sounds as well, listen. Hear that? It's kind of loopy, the idea that the, the Beatles were doing that as well. Discordant, backwards stuff. And even like, you know, if you listen to Noel Gunnar's voice, not quite as processed as, as Lennon's, obviously, but there's there's something to it. Something kind of... I don't know. It's There's something to it. It doesn't sound like a, a regular voice that Noel Gunnar would sing like. So that they talked a whole interview about that and how this was their ode to it. And when you listen to the two songs back to back, it's like, I think it's roughly 30 years between recording sessions. Um, and it's almost like the Chemical Brothers are daring themselves to try and replicate what the Beatles were doing in the confines of what they could rather than using 32 tracks or 64 tracks uh, studio um, uh, mixing desk and stuff. So I, I love it. I think it's a brilliant song. So all those people, they, they said, um, you know, they uh, influenced and just, yeah, just listen, listen to all Revolver, but listen to Mar Never Knows a few times in a row and see what you can spot out of it. And remember, this was a band on four tracks on a lot of drugs, um, but creating stuff that had never been done before. And that's why, you know, the Beatles considers as the, the greatest pop band of all time because of, of what they did with, you know, minimal resources, but just Lennon McCartney, Harrison and the Star, basically. Um, thank you very much for listening to this. I hope uh, I did justice to the song. Um, I hope I uh, entertained you for for a few minutes, however long we've been recording. Um, I very rarely keep track of these things. Um, I hope we'll be back next week with something completely different. With a with a, a request from from somebody who's uh, somebody out there who's listening. Maybe hopefully somebody who's supported us over on. Uh, over on buy me a coffee and you know they're allowed to to get their uh, shout in first but if not anybody can put a shout in so please send us on something and i'll have a look at it and hopefully again do some justice but look thank you very much for listening uh i enjoyed this one um yeah we'll be back next week um hopefully in the meantime you'll check out our uh, our regular show where we interview some very very intelligent and lovely people all right people take care 
have a good week. Bye.